Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just I'm pulling up your your questions okay. up here, okay. so I have them yeah. okay. um, visually as well as you know. So if I, if I forget what you in my train of thought, if I forget what you asked, I can look over here and say, "Oh yeah, that's what you asked." Hello and welcome to Design Education Talks, the collaboration between the New Art School and Design Deduct Podcast. Our guest today is Dan Wong. Welcome, Dan. Hi. Great to have you. Thanks for inviting me. Fantastic. Tell us about you and your work. Um, you, you're talking specifically about my research, or is that that's is that what you're uh, about your work about? in general, whatever you want to share. Uh, okay. from, from before, because it's, yeah, or from Right, before. yeah, I mean, so I have two jobs. My first and primary job is I'm an associate professor of uh, communication in the communication design department in the New York, at the New York City College of Technology. Um, I oversee the uh, web concentration. I still like to call it web because, uh, you know, because the name keeps on changing. But from my perspective, the one underlying constant is the internet. Uh -huh. And uh, so I don't want to call it interactive. You know, I think there's a lot of people who use interaction inappropriately. Um, and so I, I still refer to it as website. Well, interactive, and so is I, it, uh, interactive is even older, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so I oversee that. Um, we're, we're a large department. Um, we currently have about 800 students in the department, um, 70 adjunct faculty and 16 full-time faculty. Um, and the umbrella that is communication design in our department includes graphic design, advertising, web design, uh, video, uh, animation, and illustration. Um, and so that's kind of all under the umbrella of communication design. We, we, we all work, we work as a group, we work independently, but we really work as a group. Everything needs to kind of fit together. Um, so that's my, my first job. And my second job is as co-founder and chair um, for Design Incubation which is an organization um, that I co-founded uh, that is focused on um, research in specifically in communication design. And for the most part, it's in North America, but we try to look beyond and we, we try to be inclusive and be um, international as much as people will have us. Fantastic. Fantastic. So that has been a very successful series you're doing, uh, been doing recently. Uh, which ones, which ones are that? Tell us about, tell us a bit more about the design incubation for, for now, you know, about, uh, about okay. how you get this fantastic thing together, uh, because you're giving it tremendously uh, precious information to, to all of us. Right, right. So, um, you know, it was really started out of the need for um, doing scholarly activity um, oh. in, in our requirement for, for tenure. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love, I love my mentors and my senior faculty to death, but the reality is that they, there was no mentorship per se. There was this transition. Um, so when I was hired, um, you know, back in 2008, I said, well, I, I have a design firm and, um, I'd like to, you know, continue to be involved in that. And they said, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want you to do design work. And so for the first, you know, three years of, of my seven year tenure track, 
I was doing design work. And then suddenly they were like, this design work is not scholarly activity. Uh, and, and, and so I was like, what, 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 what is scholarly activity? Um, and there was this thing where they were like, well, you could make art and you could exhibit that or you could exhibit your designs, but actually just executing design is not scholarly. So they activity. didn't count design, but they could, they took exhibiting art or Yeah. But your published design work is... Right. Yeah. And it's still, it's still kind of that way. Wow. Um, yeah. At our, at, our, at, our, at our particular institution. And, and there, are, there are quite a few institutions that, that do not consider professional practice as scholarly activity. Um, so one of my motivations, my first motivation um, in, in founding and co-founding Design Incubation was to give an opportunity for people who are doing professional practice to talk about the practice and their work in an academic environment and then to basically say, look, I've talked about my work in an academic environment. Hence, you have to accept this work as um, a scholarly activity. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we started. Um, and since then, what is... So this, this transition happened... Um, pretty unanimously across the US where people who were teaching in these professional departments were suddenly expected to do the scholarly activity, which wasn't really defined um, within the field. Um, and so, you know, I, so design incubation, what we were doing was trying to include everybody, regardless of where you were coming from and where you were expected to go to and try and figure out um, all the different ways people were doing things and bring it into an umbrella of this is an academic organization. We are all specifically communication design um, faculty. What, what do you do? Tell us about what you're doing. And let's do this in kind of a structured way. So it will be recognized. Um, and so that's, that was a colloquia. And we've been doing, I've, I've got the numbers somewhere. But at this point, I think we've published about 260 abstracts. And uh, I want to say, I don't know, I can't even remember. Somewhere, it's like quite a few um, colloquia. We, we started off doing six a year. Now we're doing like four year three or four year um so that's one activity we also you know there was this thing where they were like oh if you win awards for your work then suddenly it's solo activity uh, but in new york city you are doing you know you're a full-time professor and you're doing small projects but the awards you're competing with major ad agencies on, on Madison Avenue that has like $3 million or $5 million budgets. And it's like, you're never going to win. You're never going to win an award. You know, like the first time I tried to even submit for a Webby award, um, the entry fee was like $350. And I was like, I, I literally paid $350 out of my own pocket. And then I just realized, you know what? There's no chance that I was ever going to win this award. I can't be doing this every year. Um, and so we established the Design Incubation um, Educators Awards that are specifically tailored for educators who, you know, that are working full time and they're doing this stuff and they, we're assessing 
the the work that they're doing under the the rubrics that are expected of academia. So that's um, that's how the awards came about. Um, design events. Um, our lovely uh, Liz Deluda is has been very involved with the Tech Directors Club. Um, I know that everybody's familiar with the Tech Directors Club. It's been around for for decades, um, if not longer. And um, so, you know, they we collaborated with them and we came up with topics that were both practitioner based and educator based. Um, so they were things like uh, portfolios. You know, like how do you teach a portfolio course and what is what kind of course or what kind of portfolio do you need in the current climate? What are people looking for? And so it's, it's this real crossover. And so like a lot of a lot of the, these design events that we create, um, we have students, we have graduate students, we have educators and we have practitioners um, all coming and um, participate in those. That's fantastic. Um, and then finally, we have um, the fellowship program, which is um, the the child of Ersher. Uh, she's overseen it, um, and that was specifically for facilitating writing, you know, academic writing, but just writing in general. Um, because you know, in an MFA program, maybe you write a thesis, not really a rigorous, a rigorous, you know, like thesis with like a methodology and references and citations and that kind of stuff. So you kind of write once and then you go and you practice your, 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 um, your skills and then you're in academia and you don't know how to write. So the writing fellowship was really like introducing there's, there's authors, there's editors, um, teaching people how to write, um, books and articles. Fantastic. So that's, <laughs> those, are, those are the four, four things that we currently do on a regular basis. And we're developing some other things that I can tell you about if, if you want to hear about it. Yeah, that. I mean, your your latest work, your, your, your latest projects are, are of great interest. Yes, of course. Okay. Um, well, so there's four things that we're working on right now. Um, and, you know, again, I like... None of this would, 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 would happen without all of the support of absolutely everybody's involved because everybody's putting a lot of, uh, a lot of effort into um, what we're doing. So right now for the summer, and just, you know, if people are watching this sometime in the future, this is the summer of COVID and lockdowns and protests. And people have, you know, people aren't, you know, people are trapped in their homes and they're looking for things to do. So um, the one thing that we're doing, um, I don't know if you guys, well, for those of the people who, who don't know design incubation, um, we had written a white paper on developing uh, abstracts, abstracts for, for submission to design incubation, but also for submission to journals and conferences and such. Um, and since we wrote that, there's even a wizard where you like you plug in a title and you plug in keywords and you plug in your problem and your thesis and your you know and, and outfits basically this draft of your abstract that, that you can then go back and um, that you can then go back and, and edit and then submit. Um, that by doing that, we kind of since we've done that, there's there's this more consistent quality to 
um, the abstracts. So the, the abstracts are just more consistently higher quality. Um, and Alex Gerard, who's uh, the director of our peer uh, review, has found some peers uh, that he, he taps regularly who actually know how to review um, the, the peer work. You know, initially we were sending out um, these things for peer review and the peers didn't really know what what or how they needed to review the work academically because they hadn't really done it that much. Um, so now that we have this consistent quality and we have this consistent feedback, what we're doing is we're, we're raising the bar. Um, and so Alex Gerard, uh, Jessica Barnest, who's at Kent State University, and Eric Sharon, um, we are developing a peer review rubric um, so that so that people who are submitting to us or to other organizations understand how peers are reviewing their work. Um, and so they can kind of focus in and hone in on different aspects of their submissions to figure out how to raise the quality of the academic presentation. So you're creating transparency. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you're, it's more direct, you know, it's kind of like in the past, it's just like, I think I know what I'm doing, but, you know, I don't really know. And then some people, you know, depending on where you're taught, you might be taught different things. And yeah. so we're trying to um, be very consistent about that. Um, and then we're going to write a, so we're going to also, so we're going to, we're going to publish the rubric and then we're also going to write a white paper on it. Um, Jessica and Eris have had a lot of experience from different journals um, asking them to review submissions. And the, even the journals are really inconsistent in terms of how they want people to review stuff. Um, and Eris and Jessica were saying, yeah, some places you end up rewriting the entire article for the submitter because of, because there's no rubric in terms of right. like right. What, they're, right. what they're reviewing. Um, so that, so that we're hoping to have that done over the summer. Um, the other thing that we are, so I'm working with Audrey Bennett at the University of Michigan, and we are in the process of um, creating an, we, we haven't, we're thinking that it's an annual, um, and it's going to be in collaboration with the CAA conference um, initially. Um, and we, and, and, uh, she has a, a grant for diversity, equity, and inclusion that's going to partially help support this effort. But we're going to um, publish um, some academic articles, initially some academic articles, shorter ones, not 7,000 words, because designers can't write easily 7,000 words in a short amount of time. Um, it's more like 20, 250, 250 uh, 100 words. Uh, but we're going to expand that because, uh, you know, Eris has had so much uh, success with the fellowship program. And I've been really interested in this whole idea of research. I mean, my, my approach to research is I think we should be make, doing a more scientific, bringing a social science aspect of research into communication design. Um, so that's kind of my perspective. But I know that there's there's a lot of different approaches to how you do research and communication design. So I want to be very inclusive. And so we want to create a research fellowship. So it would be something that people apply to. 
um, possibly either come to New York or Michigan, or maybe it moves around. Um, you know, there would be three days of intensive presentations and workshops and workshopping research. Um, and then there would be this follow-up three months out, six months out, and then hopefully the outcome would be content that we would publish in an annual. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah. if you're coming from communications, of course, you know, you're going to bring the social sciences because if, you're, right. if, you're, if your degree is within, within the social sciences, Right, right, of right, course, right, it's right. a natural progression. Uh, yeah, but that's, communication is a contested department, you know, because sometimes it goes to the, to the to the art and design, sometimes it goes to media, and it, and it sort of is at the cusp mm -hmm. of these two uh, at the university. And sometimes people are fighting for it, or they have a communication, and then they create a visual communication, and there's always this back and forth in in a lot of institutions. That right. where is the communication? But they're doing very similar things, and they're going tied to media. So it's it's interesting. It's at the crossroads of, of things. Yeah, and and we are intending to fully embracing that in in this annual that we would create. So we were talking about having a visual essay. And then potentially pairing the visual essayist with a uh, writer mm -hmm. who would either write, you know, write commentary or somehow write something that um, that that was compatible with the visual essay. Okay. Um, so it's kind of you know you, you see those art and design magazines where it's a little bit of art and a little bit design. In this case, it would be a design magazine which would be a little bit academic writing, a little bit of visual communication. Mm. Um, you know, that there'd be room for branding, there'd be yeah. room for, um, you know, I guess they would, for, for things like motion, we would have to do that online. You can't really put motion in a, in a, you know, a PDF or I guess in a PDF you could, but not in a printed document. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we're also wanting to like limit it to once a year, you know, like I, you know, usually we see a lot of academic journals come and go and, um, the one thing that we have this attitude of design incubation is sustainability. Before we take on a new endeavor, we have to be able to envision it, you know, five years out. Like it shouldn't be like the, the heavy lifting should happen up front. And then afterwards it should be just the operations should be easy and you should be able to just focus on the content. Absolutely. Fantastic. That's, that's, that's a lot of projects. Great. Yeah. So tell us, how, how did you get into teaching? Um, how did I end up in teaching? <laughs> yeah. Something okay, along so, those lines. Um, well, I was, it's funny because I was running, I was um, running this uh, design and technology firm with my partner. He's a, he's a computer developer. Um, we had both been laid off uh, in 2000. You know, that was the dot-com bust. Um, and, you know, we, we were living up in Washington Heights by the Cloisters. And um, we were like, uh, and, this, and we're two different companies. And literally within the same week, we were both laid off. And we were like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Um, and I was like, well, you do technology and I do design. So let's start a design and technology company. Um, and so, so we did. Uh, and... You know, there was different times. He would get major projects, um, like 
I guess we can say this now, Amgen. Uh, Amgen has this real strict policy where you can't, when you're doing work for them, you can't say you're doing work for them. But, you know, anyhow, uh, places like that. Uh, and then I was working for these other, this other company and the company was like at a certain point saying, oh, well, we really want to hire you permanently. And if you don't take this position, then we're going to let you go. And we're going to give it to somebody else. I was like, okay, I'll take the job. Um, so it was back and forth between like working freelance, working with my partner. Um, but so at the time I was, uh, you know, at the time I, I fell into teaching, I was working full time with my partner. Um, things were going well. Uh, I was working towards getting my green card and, um, went to this art opening um, and a colleague of mine now at City Tech was like, oh, is this your sculpture? And I was like, no, I'm a sculptor, but I do graphic design. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm an architect, but I teach graphic design. So he was, he was like, why don't you come in and be a critic? And I was like, okay. And then the next thing you know, they're like calling me in for an interview. Um, and I, you know, I didn't even apply for the job, but I didn't know what I was interviewing for. And then they sat down and they're like, oh, by the way, you're interviewing for a tenure track position. I was like, oh, okay. Well, didn't really know that I wanted it. Um, but I was really, at that point, I was, I was uh, adjunct teaching and I was really enjoying it. So I was just like, oh, okay, why not? Let's give it a shot. Um, so that's how I ended up falling into teaching. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's brilliant. So, so uh, I mean, we talked about the project. And mm-hmm. um, and now you you've been teaching for 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 how long? For twelve years. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So, if you could do anything at all uh, mm-hmm. in your teaching, uh, mm-hmm. would you do anything differently, or would you do anything? Would you change anything in the institution? Um, at this point, no. But I would say that some of what, what I'm doing um, kind of should have been done. I'm surprised it wasn't done before. Um, like it was done in, in bits and pieces in different places. Um, both, you know, like within our institution, but more, more I'm, I'm thinking more like broadly, like the discipline itself is still really undefined um and it's 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 amazingly undefined given that that people have been teaching this for quite a while um so that that from from that perspective i'm a little frustrated that that i that i'm having to do something that even as i'm doing it is not necessarily defined as a scholarly activity Mm. I'm also talking about the structural change, you know, like you could change the whole thing, like the structure, the anything at all, not just, not just in the way that's being done, but, but everything around and everything around it as well. Um, you mean in, in design and design education? I'm talking about or? in the subject that you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you had, you, you had, there was no limitations at all and you could create anything. Right. Would you, would you, uh, what would you do? Well, I, I kind of feel like that is the environment that we are teaching in currently. Mm. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I would say is, because I hear this over and over again, communication design is a field that has, in, that has had incredible explosion. I mean, uh, I work for, I work for CUNY. Um, there are, 
constantly new communication design programs being developed at CUNY. Um, I think there's, because we have both community college, we have 25, 25 to 27 campuses, um, community colleges, senior colleges, some which have graduate schools, some of which don't. And, you know, at this point, I could, I could name close to a dozen different communication design programs in CUNY. Um, and I think, you know, what I point to, um, the reason why I think this is happening is because of the internet. Uh, you know, when, when I was working in, in corporate America, 90% of my work was print. Um, but at this point, and there, there was a lot of pressure for print designers to learn web design. And I would say the, the majority of those people never really learned, um, how to do web design. Uh, but I think that, you know, when you think about the amount of information that you consume at this point, and it's almost too much. I mean, everybody I talk to has problems sleeping. And I think one of the reasons people have problems sleeping is because they like plug their phone in right next to their bed. And as soon as there's any chance that they're not falling asleep, they pick up their phone. Next thing they're not, they're like, you know, reading content. I mean, it's just, we're just constantly bombarded with content. Um, and the majority of that content, like 99% of that content is happening digital. It's happening through the internet, whether it be your phone or your television or your car or your, you know, fit, fit bot or whatever. It's just like all this information is coming um, through the internet to you. You no longer have to go um, and I don't know if you remember this. I used to work in the library um, between my first degree and my second degree. Um, and you used to have to go to the library and of course. Find, find the books and then go into the stacks. And then like, hopefully somebody didn't take the book and put it somewhere else. And um, whereas now you just Google it, right? Uh, and the biggest question is whether the information that you are finding on Google is actually real information or if it's fake information like that. That's the biggest problem. Um, so what was your original question? <laughs> would I change anything? Yes. Yeah, no, I, I would say that we, we have the opportunity, at least in my department. And I, and I think that this is in a lot of departments. We have the opportunity to um, do teach and develop whatever we want to. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it, I think it's uh, it's it's pretty exciting. It's a it's a pretty exciting thing to do, and you know it, it's also interesting because especially for those those um, design programs that are in art programs or in art schools. Um, I I remember when I was going to art school, it was like oh you wanted to be in the painting department or you wanted to be in the illustration department, um, or you wanted to be in the sculpture department. And like communication design, eh, those are for the boring people who are just looking for jobs or, you know, people didn't even know what industrial design was. Um, so, but now it's like completely flipped and I, you know, the, the design courses are exploding. You, all the students want to take design courses. And I, and I, I think that people are starting to think, you know, what's the point of getting a fine art degree because you can't really make a living off of that. Um, so, so I think that, I think that's really exciting. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. How can our viewers and listeners find you? 
they can find most of the best way to find me is uh, Design Incubation. So the website is designincubation.com. Um, the Twitter handle is Design Incubate. Because uh, I think Design Incubation was, was taken. Um, we're on Instagram. LinkedIn is a big one. Um, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Instagram, not so much. I don't do so, you know, I, 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 I'm the person who does all of the, the web content and the social media content. Um, so mostly Facebook, a little bit of Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and mostly on our website. Great. Any last piece of advice you'd like to leave us with? Um, last piece of advice. Uh, for who for students or for faculty I think, or yeah for everybody for yeah, students, students also we're doing all this uh, for students anyway so you know for students for faculty for uh, industry yeah uh you know participate read um you know i think that, that communication design is is a lot broader than um people think mm -hmm. Uh, it's very technical. So for the students who think that they're going to get into an easy, um, easy degree where you're just making pretty pictures, it's, it's definitely not that, especially if you, if you're going into it because you're interested in what you're, what you're doing in, in real life. Um, because it is a combination of design and technology. Mm -hmm. It's using both your, your right brain and your left brain. Um, and so it is, it's kind of like creative engineering in a way, um, kind of sexy engineering. Brilliant. Brilliant. Cool. Thank cool. you so much for your time. Thank you. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for, uh, it's it a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. I stopped zoom. I'm going to stop, uh,